All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is the People versus Devondre Campbell episode where I will be making the case for and against the Atlanta Falcons retaining the free agent linebacker. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. been covering the Falcons for many years. I'm on Twitter at Falcfans and, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today is going to be a conversation devoted to Devondre Campbell, the impending free agent linebacker for the Falcons, arguably the second biggest name free agent among the team, at least among the players that are have a possibility of, of the team keeping. We already know that Vic Beasley is not going to be back. And oftentimes over the last several weeks, I've forgotten that Vic Beasley is an impending free agent that will likely make a lot of money over the um, course of the next week or so when free agency kicks off, if free agency kicks off. Obviously, there's been a whole lot of stuff going on in the sports world, not necessarily affecting the NFL as much as it has college basketball, pro basketball, as well as other sports, given the um, increasing spread of the coronavirus here in the United States. Um, but obviously sitting here today recording this episode Thursday afternoon, don't have enough information to really take a deep dive in it. And we'll probably get a lot more updates, particularly when it pertains to the NFL over the weekend. There's a lot of stuff going on over the weekend. We talked about that earlier in the week with the CBA voting ending on Saturday. And so we'll see if the league year gets delayed or whatever the case may be, but might as well turn out this Devondre Campbell episode. Uh, if free agency does kick off next Wednesday, as it currently is scheduled to, and sort of, we'll first sort of break down sort of what Campbell exactly brings to the table. Then we'll sort of get into the case for him, uh, for the Falcons to try to retain him and the case against him for the Falcons to try to retain him. So let's jump right into that right now. So impending free agent Devondre Campbell over the last four seasons in Atlanta, after being a fourth round pick in their 2016 draft class has played over 3,300 snaps combined over the last four seasons, the most of any Falcons defensive player in that combined span. Durability has certainly been a big part of Campbell's success here in Atlanta over the last four years, outside of missing five games during his rookie season, he has not missed a snap or he has not missed a game over the last three years and has rarely appeared on the team's injury report in that time. And so when you say availability is the best ability, Campbell obviously checks that box. Oftentimes tackle stats can be a little bit misleading, but the fact that Campbell has led the team in tackles each of the last two years and has had 90 plus tackles in each of the last three seasons says something about his ability. Only 13 players currently in the NFL have had 90 plus tackles in each of the last three seasons. And that illustrious list includes some of the top linebackers in the league, like Luke Keekley, like Bobby Wagner, Levante David, and other very good starters like a Joe Schobert, Bernardrick McKinney, Eric Kendricks, Demario Davis, etc. Now you could certainly say that a large percentage of his tackles are downfield plays, which is certainly true, but increasing a number of percentage of those plays have constituted as stops, which at least according to pro football focus is considered to be basically meaningful tackles that essentially hurt offenses. 
per pro football focus, the percentage of tackles that Campbell makes that count of stops has increased in each of the past three seasons to the point that 2019 marked the season where he had his highest run stop percentage. He's also been one of the more consistent tackers for the Falcons over the last couple of years, according to pro football focus, the linebackers that of linebackers that have played at least 500 snaps over the last three years in each of the last three seasons, Campbell has ranked in the top 10 in their tackle efficiency metric. Uh, each of the last years, he was 10th in 2019, third in 2018 and six in 2017 in that metric. Campbell's coverage ability has been a bit up and down, but he's capable of holding his own against quality tight ends because of his superior length and size. He does his best work in coverage when he's able to work in a straight line because of that straight line speed, changing directions a little bit tougher for him, but particularly against sort of vertical seam routes. He does a good job running with tight ends and using his length to break up passes. His 16 combined pass breakups over the last four seasons is tied for 22nd among linebackers. And this number is the same number from players like Anthony Barr and Danny Trevathan, who are noted for their coverage abilities. One of the other areas where Campbell tends to excel is as a pass rusher. He has 11 quarterback hits combined over the last three seasons. That's pretty good considering he's a true four, three outside linebacker. Every year that he's been in the NFL so far, he's gotten more opportunities to rush the quarterback and generally has done a good job generating pressure. After the bye week of 2019, about 21% of his snaps versus the pass involved him rushing the quarterback, according to Pro Football Focus, and he had a pass rush productivity metric of 9.1. For the sake of comparison, when you look at Anthony Barr, the Minnesota Vikings linebacker's career numbers as a pass rusher, Over the last five seasons, Barr has rushed the quarterback on about 19% of his snaps and has a pass rush productivity grade of 9.6. So it's about even. So what this is all telling you that Campbell's greatest strength is his ability to essentially be a jack-of-all-trades type of player. He's somewhat effective against the run, somewhat effective in coverage, and is also a capable pass rusher. That makes him a versatile asset that you can plug into your defense in a variety of roles. It makes him very scheme-versatile able to fit in a multitude of different types of defenses, whether it's a four, three, whether it's a three, four outside, inside sort of thing. And that's going to potentially make him a valuable asset for some team, whether that's the Atlanta Falcons or another team when he hits the open market in a couple of days. So there basically is the, what Campbell is bringing to the table and given that versatility and and that skill set, we should certainly try to get into whether or not it makes a lot of sense for the Falcons to try to keep him coming up on today's episode. But before we get there, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the NBA and I usually try to plug the NBA side of lockdown podcast network uh, multiple times per week on this podcast, but I'm I'm certainly going to plug it again because there's a lot going on in the NBA and how it pertains to your particular favorite team, whether you're an Atlanta Hawks fan or you're a Utah Jazz fan or a Toronto Raptors fan, whatever the case may be, you can find a daily podcast devoted to all 30 NBA teams right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network on your favorite podcasting app, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's talk about keeping Campbell. But before we get there, as I outlined earlier, Campbell does have a valuable skill set, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Campbell can't be a little frustrating from time to time. And if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you've heard me air many of those uh, grievances over the last couple of years. We won't spend too much time on today's podcast knocking him, but it needs to be said that 
Campbell, despite his strengths, certainly has some weaknesses. And, and those main ones are very questionable when it comes to reading and recognizing things. He's consistently a step behind several other players in the Falcons defense when it comes to sort of reading his keys and whatnot. And this has led to him not being necessarily the most sound or disciplined player when it comes to playing his assignments, especially when he's played that same linebacker spot over the last two seasons in that role. He's being asked to set the edge and too often Campbell's eyes are sort of stuck trying to read what's going on in the backfield rather than attacking that blocker that's sort of right in front of him. And sort of, he often will miss some simple reads and and that will lead to negative plays, obviously for the Falcons defense. I also mentioned that he's not necessarily great in terms of change of direction. And that typically is problematic when he faces the top tight ends. Those are the particularly athletic. Um, And that becomes even a, a bigger issue when he's asked to cover running backs, which he historically has not been great at doing to the point that there have been times that the Falcons have tried to hide him when it comes to, to covering some of these quality pass catching running backs. So I think all these factors sort of put a ceiling a little bit on what Campbell's ability is as a player. Essentially, he's a complimentary player. He's not going to necessarily be your go-to option when it comes to certain matchups. For example, here in Atlanta, Keanu Neal has been sort of the Falcons' go-to quote-unquote tight end eraser uh, when it's come to the top tight end. So next year, when the Falcons face guys like Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey and Noah Fant and Jared Cook and TJ Hawkinson on their schedule at the tight end position, Campbell's not really going to be your plan A when it comes to sort of limiting those guys. He's more of a plan B, you know, because you're not expecting Campbell to lock those guys down, but he can certainly hold his own against several of those guys. And certainly he'll be better doing going up against those types of tight ends than say your average NFL starting linebacker. Um, But those guys are still going to create problems for your defense. And obviously any quality pass catching running backs, he's more of that plan B or arguably he's more of a plan C in that regard because of players like Deion Jones, Keanu Neal and Foye Olakun. So you got to ask yourself, what's the value of having a guy that's basically a plan B type of player? Well, if Keanu Neal goes down again or is not necessarily the same player that he was pre-injuries where he can be that tight end eraser, then Campbell becomes a lot more valuable in terms of being that plan B. Now, you could also say, well, if Neal comes back to form or the Falcons add someone else that is capable of being that tight end cover guy, whether that's an Isaiah Oliver, whether that's drafting someone like a Trevon Diggs or some other safety in this year's draft that can sort of be more of that plan A option. That would also then free up Devondre Campbell to be utilized more as a blitzer on passing downs rather than asking him to play coverage, uh, particularly in man defense on those third downs. And that would allow the Falcons to potentially employ a much more aggressive scheme under Raheem Morris in 2020. And that gets to what I'm talking about when I say he's a complimentary player. You need Neil, you need or somebody else to really step up and be that tight end eraser. You need a one of your lockdown corners to to be able to handle those matchups on the outside, so that when you play man coverage, you can be a little bit more aggressive with those blitzes and, and scheming up pressure in that regard. And once you have those pieces in place, Campbell is a good complement to those guys. And that frees him up to do some of the things that he does best, which is basically run around and hit people. And that's why I could certainly see a team signing Campbell in free agency and him blossoming elsewhere, given that that team could wind up having that sort of idealized supporting cast around him and frees him up to be able to be the best version of Devondre Campbell that he can be. So clearly I think he does have value to a lot of teams out there, including the Falcons, 
but it kind of raises the question of how much value and what does it cost? And so ultimately I think the price tag is going to be a big part of the conversation of why maybe Campbell isn't necessarily worth keeping. So we'll get into that further on today's episode and get really take a deeper look at sort of what his price tag is going to be and how some potential negotiations may occur uh, this off season when it comes to Campbell and his representation coming up on today's podcast. But you know, sports is pretty hectic right now and already plugged the NBA side, but it's not just the NFL. It's not just the NBA that you can find here on the lockdown podcast. Not where you can find college sports, get your updates on what's going on with the NCAA. You can get your updates on major league baseball, NHL fantasy sports. If you guys want to start preparing for what hopefully will be an NFL season uh, later this year, but uh, you guys can find, you know, all types of shows right here on the lockdown podcast network. And if you're curious to sort of be like, I, I wonder if the lockdown has a show on this team or, or this league or this topic, well, guys, there's one place where you can go where you can find out all the shows that we have because there's always a growing list of shows that we're adding to the network. And that, of course, is LockdownPodcast.com, your team every day. So when we're talking about the conversation about whether or not Campbell is ultimately worth keeping, I think a big part of that conversation revolves around what exactly his price tag is going to be. Now, if you're relatively new to this show, you know that I am an amazing comedian and I'm so good at comedy that I t- basically tell the same three jokes over and over in my set. And I run those jokes into the ground. And one of those jokes is basically how awful Drew Rosenhaus is as an agent. Campbell's agent is Drew Rosenhaus. He's also the agent of Dion Jones and Ricardo Allen as well. And in both of those latter two guys' cases, I don't think he necessarily maximized their value in terms of their contracts. Obviously, that's my opinion. I'm sure Drew Rosenhaus and those players disagree. But you go back to the Ricardo Allen deal signed in 2018. He signed a deal, you know, over four years worth six and a half million dollars a year, which seems pretty good on the surface. But ultimately, it was kind of a one year contract. You know, the Falcons could have easily gotten out of that contract after the first season in 2018. They didn't, of course. They wound up restructuring going heading into the 2019 season. But essentially, all Ricardo Allen signed, even though it's a four-year deal averaging $6.5 million, he basically just signed a one-year $7.5 million extension, which is not necessarily giving his guy that long-term security that I'm, I, I think he was probably looking for there. You look at Deion Jones's deal, you look at the size of it, and you're like, oh, man, Deion Jones signed a four-year extension worth $14.25 million a year. Man, Debo got paid, right? Well, he did. And, you know, over the first three years of Debo's contract, he got $35.5 million, which is a lot of money. But when you compare it to the contract that C.J. Mosley signed with the Jets about four months earlier than Debo did, Mosley got $51 million over his first three years. Then you looked, I think, maybe a month after Debo signed his deal, Bobby Wagner signed his extension with the Seahawks, and he got $54 million over three years. So essentially, the case I've made in the past is Deion uh, Jones lost about $15 million, at least $15 million, or, you know, up to upwards of $20 million, at least over the first three years of his contract compared to some of the other top inside linebackers and middle linebackers that paid. Now, you know, I'm sure Deion Jones and his agent would certainly say, well, you know, our goal wasn't necessarily to maximize how much money Debo got paid in, in, 
in the first three years, we were wanted to get him another bite at the apple. And that's why we settled on a four year extension. So Dion's going to be able to hit free agency before he turns 30. And you know, I, I that's awesome. I'm not going to begrudge Dion Jones for doing what he wants to do, but I'm sitting here saying like, I, I probably could have got you a little bit more money. So, you know, obviously they say, you know, the worst way to kill a joke is to explain it, but that's the explanation behind my Drew Rosenhaus trash talk. If you, if you continue to, check out the amazing comedy styles of, of myself on this lockdown Falcons podcast. But all this, the reason I explain all that is I think this is potentially great news. If you're the Falcons, if you're trying to resign Devontae Campbell, because my thought process was, you know, in a look out for the team standpoint, basically the argument I'm making that do Rosenhaus quote unquote screwed up in these deals. It's great for the Falcons. It's not, I don't think it's great for Ricardo Alvarez Jones, but I think it's great for the Falcons. And, they, you know, on I remember one of the things I said back in July after Deion Jones signed his contract and we saw the details of it. I was like, oh, they saved like $15 million potentially over the first three years, uh, over the next three seasons at that point. And it was like, that's $15 million that can make it a lot more likely that the Falcons are going to be able to keep players like Austin Hooper and Devondre Campbell. Obviously, you know, fast forward about six months and, you know, that that certainly doesn't seem uh, or eight months. That doesn't seem clearly as much uh, the case as we thought back then when we were all hopeful and, and doe eyed uh, about the, the future of the Falcons. Oh, naive Aaron. You know, July Aaron was so naive. But um, it does make you think that Campbell could wind up signing a below market deal if this sort of trend continues when it comes to Drew Rosenhaus. Uh, certainly comparable to Austin Hooper in the, in the talk there, it seems much more likely that the Falcons could, you know, it's more realistic to me that Campbell could stay in Atlanta than necessarily Austin Hooper at this point in time. Obviously we'll sort of have to see what develops, but it's interesting because when you factor in what Campbell tweeted on Monday earlier this week, you know, basically, and I quote, I don't plan on going anywhere unless something drastic happens to me. Debo and Foyer work way too well together for me to want to go anywhere else. So that's what Devondre Campbell tweeted to a Falcon fan. And you go, Hmm, that's interesting. I was assuming up at that point that he was pretty much gone. Um, but uh, maybe that, you know, it just makes the wheels start to turn and think, okay, maybe we could get him on a relatively hometown discount. So you wonder sort of what that quote unquote dra- something drastic is. And maybe that's somebody else offering him a heck of a lot of money, a lot more money than the Falcons are willing to offer. And so since we've already outlined what Campbell provides, let's really dig deep in terms of what he is worth. So my estimation sort of for his market value is somewhere in that six to $8 million range. I I feel personally is kind of a fair price for Devondre Campbell. We saw back in 2018, Devon Kennard uh, signed a a three-year deal averaging about $5.425 million with the Detroit Lions coming over from the Giants. I think Kennard and and Campbell have a lot of similarities in terms of skill set. I think Kennard's probably a little bit more consistent defensive player, but I think Campbell has a little bit more upside as a pass rusher. Kennard went to Detroit where he he wound up sticking in a three, four defense, but all that being said, $5.4 million in about $2018 based off of the, how much the salary cap was then would be about worth about $6.1 million in terms of $2020 in terms of the projected $199 million salary cap this year. So I, I feel like that's kind of where his floor is. 
I feel like once you get above eight and you get in that $9 million range, I think you're getting a little bit too high for a, a complimentary linebacker as we outlined earlier, but perhaps another team sees a little bit more value in Campbell. We talked a lot about comparing him to Anthony Barr in terms of his coverage and pass rushing ability. But you go back to last offseason, Anthony Barr signed a monster deal with the Minnesota Vikings to stay in Minnesota, averaging about $13.5 million a year. Now, infamously, uh, if you're Matt Carley, uh, you know, Campbell sort of proclaimed himself prior to the 2018 season uh, that he had a better year than Barr back in 2017. And certainly the pro football focus grades seem to confirm that. Unfortunately, Campbell's production has dipped significantly since then. But you do wonder if he's looking at Barr as a guy for comparison. Now, I'm not expecting Campbell to hit the market and command that type of money. I think part of the reason why Barr made so much money was because he initially was going to sign a deal with the Jets where they were going to basically ask him to be a full-time pass rusher. Um, And he essentially sort of balked at that. And wound up resigning for Minnesota, from what I understand, for a similar price tag of what he was going to get from the Jets. And basically, the Jets were trying to pay him like he was a high-level pass rusher. So unless a team is going to look at Campbell and really value his pass rushing ability like a 3-4 team would, I would be surprised if his contract eclipses $10 million. But I do wonder if maybe there is a 3-4 team out there that looks at potentially this, arguably, this weak edge class in the draft upcoming and thanks, you know, Devontae Campbell's got some untapped potential. If you watch what he did in the second half of 2019, there's some value there, as we outlined earlier on the podcast. And particularly if you we get into free agency and some of the premier edge rushers that would be classic fits for some three, four teams like Shaq Barrett and Bud Dupree and Dante Fowler and Matt Judon wind up getting tagged as several, you know, quote unquote, insiders have been speculating over the last couple of weeks. You know, that would push, you know, Campbell near the top, you know, sharing sharing the top floor in terms of potential edge rushers in free agency with, with, you know, our favorite guy and Vic Beasley. And so maybe a team will look at them and say, you know, how much is there a drop off between a guy like Devondre Campbell and Matt Judon or, or Bud Dupree? And those guys are being projected to make money comparable to what Barr made in that 13 million plus uh, a year range. And so why not would a team say like, you know, Campbell's only slightly worse than those guys or, or slightly less proven than some of those guys. So why not pay him nine or, or $10 million or possibly even more uh, in, in terms of this all season. So when we look at it from that perspective, obviously I don't think it makes a lot of sense for the Falcons to get into a bidding war over that. If that is what Campbell's market winds up being, because they're not going to get that same type of return on investment because that's not how they're going to use them. You know, for a three, four team, Campbell could be asked to rush the quarterback 400, 500, 600 or more times this season, depending on, you know, his durability and whatnot, which is seemingly good in Atlanta. He's probably going to get a hundred, maybe 200. If, if all things click into place and, and basically Morris's scheme asks him to sort of be more of a, a pass rusher and a blitzer. But you look at the last three years, he's had, he's rushed the quarterback exactly 301 times, which is averages a hundred times a year. So saying, you know, 150, 200 times rushing the quarterback is potentially being generous. And if you're not going to be asking him to rush the quarterback, you know, 400 or more times, then why are you paying him? Like he's a, a high level pass rusher. So when we look at Campbell wrapping up today's episode, 
you know, my personal take is I think he's a solid player, but I don't think he's an essential piece um, without a significant reworking of the Falcons defensive scheme and, and being much more of a, we're going to be a three, four team. We're going to have Campbell and, and whether it's tack, whether it's a rookie or, you know, let's say Kalevon chase on or, or whatever the case may be. And we're going to be much more of that sort of three, four oriented team that we saw the team sort of dabbling with at the beginning of last year. But obviously once Morris took over sort of not necessarily full time, but it was the sort of, shot caller with the defense in the second half, they went back to their four, three under scheme. And so if that trend continues, I don't necessarily see that as likely, but again, I think Campbell has value, but given assuming that his role doesn't change necessarily from what it has been in Atlanta the last couple of years, I don't know if that value exceeds five, maybe $6 million a year. Again, like, again, I said like his floor is like 6.1 million, I feel like if you can get him out on a quote unquote hometown discount for like 5.75 or 5.5 or, or something like that, or, or possibly even lower, you know, I, I don't think that lowly of Drew Rosenhaus that he'll, he'll, he won't be able to get him more than that. But if you can get him on that, then I think it's worthwhile for the Falcons to try to bring him back. That's just, I think, relatively speaking, a pretty good bargain. And again, because Campbell has skill set, like I think for, you know, five, five and a half million dollars, that's well worth what he can bring to the table, even if he's not necessarily my favorite, you know, player. One of the reasons why he's not necessarily my favorite player is because I've felt for a couple of years now that you can get a better version of Campbell, particularly in the draft, particularly in this year's draft, even though questions about it being a relatively weak draft class, I feel like there's going to be several players available early in the draft in the first two, three rounds that can give you a lot more or the same as what Campbell can do, if potentially not more, and do it for much more cheaply than Campbell is. We talked about two of those guys on yesterday's episode with John Owning from the Dallas Morning News, including Kalevon Chason, Zach Bond, um, Josh Uche would be another candidate. I'm sure there are plenty of other guys that are going through your heads that you're yelling at your phone and your coworkers are looking at you funny. Like what, why is he just randomly yelling things at his phone? But you know what I'm talking about? So I, I feel like you can get better options in the draft that have a lot more higher upside and will be considerably cheaper than five or $6 million a year. But again, if you can sign Campbell for that type of money, it might be worthwhile to you just because now you don't have to draft that guy as early in the draft. If you're basically saying one of the reasons why one of the ways that we plan on improving our pass rush is giving Devondre Campbell a lot more opportunities to rush the quarterback. And so if you can quote unquote classify him as an edge rusher, maybe you don't have to put as much of a premium on that Sam linebacker spot on that edge rushing spot early in the draft. And you can devote that to another position, particularly a position in the secondary, like a safety or a cornerback that will allow you to play that more style of, of defense where you can bring those five and six man pressures that often include Devondre Campbell in that. So I think, you know, you can make the case, even though it wouldn't be necessarily my favorite move, it wouldn't be the way that I would build a team. I certainly wouldn't begrudge the Falcons if they can get Campbell back at the right price, that that is a worthwhile move for them moving forward. I think obviously the big question, as I've outlined already on today's episode, is whether or not you can get him at that price. I'm not particularly optimistic at this point in time, but who knows? Again, you know, based off what Campbell's tweeting out there, I don't pay that much attention to social media, but you know, it at least makes me think it's a lot more plausible than I thought it was a week ago uh, that the Falcons could basically get him on a relatively hometown 
type of discount type of move. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I certainly think there's a case for and against keeping Devondre Campbell. And a lot of it depends on price. It's really the case with all these free agents, whether it's an Austin Hooper, whether it's a Vic Beasley. I mean, there's a case for keeping Vic Beasley. He's just not going to be at the price that the Falcons have paid him. You know, certainly last year and probably what he'll get in the open market. You obviously make the same. Many people have made the same case for Austin Hooper, including myself. So it's an, it's going to be an interesting sort of development to see what happens. Obviously, Monday, we will probably do a mock draft Monday in a mailbag. So, of course, I'm open to all your questions and your feedback that you guys can provide over the weekend. Of course, uh, we will, because it's a mailbag, we will prioritize email questions. So if you have questions, send them in via email at lockdownfalcons at mail.com. Of course, if you guys have Twitter questions, we're not going to necessarily neglect those. It certainly will get to those. If you send those in via Twitter, via Facebook, uh, early next week as well. So send in your questions. We'll see sort of what develops. Hopefully Monday, we will know whether or not the new CBA is approved. Potentially we will have some cap cuts as well to talk about on Monday. So a lot of things that could be happening on Monday. So certainly um, looking forward to hearing what you guys think and the feedback you provide and the questions that you provide. But um, yeah, I think Campbell is out, you know, if we keep him, even if we get him on a bargain, I'm I'm probably going to still complain about it, but like, it is what it is. You know me, I can't be happy um, when it comes to complaining about Falcons defensive players. But uh, yeah, I think he's, he's a solid player. I think he could be a very valuable player for some team out there. I don't know if the Falcons are necessarily the ideal scenario for him, but um, we'll, we'll just sort of have to see what happens with Devondre Campbell. Despite the, the numerous criticisms I've said on the podcast, I, I wish him to, you know, secure the bag, as they say. I, I hope he, he makes as much money as he gets what he thinks he's worth uh, out there and in, in, whether it's in Atlanta or whether it's elsewhere in the league, I hope he continues to have a high degree of success. And I, I will certainly be rooting for him, even if he doesn't necessarily uh, wind up sticking to Atlanta. And if he winds up being more successful playing in New York or wherever it is than he was in Atlanta. Look, I, I got no hard feelings. Uh, I, I don't blame Devontae Campbell for that. I, you know, you know me, I'm going to, I'm going to blame the Falcons when, when things don't go our way, I'm going to blame the, the coaches and the, and the front office in uh, the team, not necessarily the individual player. So there you guys have it. Appreciate you guys tuning in this week. We got a interesting week behind us, interesting week ahead of us. So enjoy your weekends. Until then. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.